On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Steven Strauss, known as the Checkered Shirt Shirt Guy. When I'm not traveling the world or writing all night, I'm listening to Set Lusting Bruce. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and tonight, think of this more as Spring Lusting Book Club, uh, because I am joined by a wonderful writer, and I'm going to introduce her in a minute, but she has a new book coming out, and it has a slight Springsteen twist to it. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Thank you for having me, Jesse. It's good to be here. So uh, why don't you start out, tell us a little about yourself. Okay, well, um, let's see. I'm, I live uh, right now, I have a place at, uh, down in Bradley Beach, and I've been there for about 12 or 13 years. Um, and it's in Springsteen country, and I just love it down there. So um, I've, I've been uh, uh, writing for quite a few years. I have about, this is my fifth novel. And I practiced law for about 10 years, and I've done all different kinds of jobs throughout my life. Very nice. Uh, well, we're going to get to your Springsteen story. And um, so, guys, I'm going to say this a lot. Um, the name of the book is The Summer Springsteen Song Saved Me. Um, and we're going to talk about where you can find it. Um, Barbara was nice enough to... Um, send me an advanced copy. I felt so important, like, ooh, I'm like a real <laughs> book reviewer. And she was nice enough to send me a not a PDF that I could start reading, but also a hard copy of the book. And um, I, I have just in love with it. And we're going to talk. We're not going to do any spoilers, but we will talk a little bit about the book. But as always, Barbara, I like to start with my guests talking about your musical, you know, origins. So talk about. Growing up, what kind of music did you and your family listen to? Uh, was it a very musical family? 
Well, there was a lot of music in the house. I can't say any of us were musical. I did take piano and guitar lessons, and I, I was just awful at them. Uh, one, the, I also took a harmonica lesson from Pete Seeger once at the Newport Jazz Festival, and I was awful at that, too. But um, my family liked opera. My father was uh, an usher in college at the Metropolitan Opera, and they loved popular music. Frank Sinatra was big. Lots of singing along in my house, so we always had music, something on. Very nice. Um, Pete Seeger trying to teach you. That's that's a moment that you go, okay, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yes, right? it was embarrassing, too, because I wasn't very good at it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is so great. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people, as they share the story, um, as you did, um, you know, my dad played the guitar, but there was music in our house all the time. So um, growing up, did you kind of embrace the music your parents liked or did you, were you kind of a rebel trying to find your own? Yes, well, I, I, I wasn't crazy about Frank Sinatra back then. Uh, now it's become more of a, it reminds me of family life, uh, so I like it better now. And the same thing with the opera in the beginning, I, I did not like that. And I was I was much more involved with the music of my time, you know, the, the Rascals, Diana Ross, Jefferson Airplane, the Beatles, those kinds of things, the Doors. I actually had a uh, small record shop uh, when I was in college. I, I sold records from um, the basement of our dorm building. So I had a lot of different interests that went far beyond what I was exposed to uh, during my childhood. Very cool. So when did you graduate high school, roughly? Um, oh, 1968. Okay, so um, I graduated in 77. So you were just in the mix of, you know, going to college in, with, you know, the what we call now the classic rock era, right? I mean, just everything going crazy. Oh, yeah, and everything was available at, at my school. I mean, every weekend there was a new new concert. Uh, Chuck Berry would come and play on the one. The, the Jefferson Airplane came and give a concert, the Grateful Dead. So I, I was able to listen and hear everybody. It was just terrific. You know, Barbara, one of the things we talk about on this show, and um, I, I know it sounds very, quote-unquote, old man syndrome you know, well, back in the day, but the reality was, and even your time and, you know, even in my time, there, there was such a diversity on the radio. Um, you know, one of the things that is good and bad in modern times is I have a channel, I can go to E Street Radio on Sirius and I listen to Albers. If I want to go to hear Jimmy Buffett or the Beatles or all 70s, you know, you can get that. But back then, the AM radio was your friend, and you could hear almost anything on that top 40 station. That's true. That's true. And you're exposed to all different kinds of things, so you you got to explore um, easily. Now You're right. It, now it's uh, you have to almost know what you think you like, and that it doesn't work well. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. And I, you know, I'm, it, I understand the beauty of it, but in a lot of ways, it's... There's just there was so much coolness about you never you know there were you could hear um, you know rock and roll you could hear soul you could hear you know rhythm and blues it was all there just at the turn of a dial and that was amazing. 
Yes, it was. Yeah, there was folk. Yes, it was. It was uh, jazz. I can hear. I, I have very good re- memories of my little transistor radio, <laughs> listening at night. Oh yeah, um, I did too. And um, you'd have your one little um, your earbud, but it wasn't an earbud. Then it was an earpiece that just you know, kind of on one ear. Forget stereo, you know, just your AM radio. Hearing that, that's 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 so cool. Well. Um, did you, you kind of, was there a specific genre you kind of embraced as you entered college? Um, I, I guess it was mostly the the things like the Dead and the Beatles and Jefferson Airplane, the Stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was also always Joni Mitchell and Dylan. I mean, there was, it, there was a lot of music yeah. at the time. And you were free to explore that. I mean, you know, Janis Joplin and Dylan were at the Newport festival mm-hmm. when I went to that. So you got to hear and Pete Seeger. So you would hear all of that. And uh, so it, it was much broader then. Yeah, that is. So how did you discover Bruce? Uh, Bruce, it, it was interesting. Um, I was out in California. My husband started law school at Berkeley, California, and he had a friend who was from New Jersey and was a part-time DJ there before he had started the law school. And this was back in 1973, and he brought over uh, one of Bruce's albums. I think it was The the Wild and The Innocent in the East Street Shuffle, and he played it for us, and we were just blown away. I mean, I was just, I couldn't believe it. So that was it, you know. <laughs> um, and was it, you said you were blown away. Did you get that, like, immediately, wow, this is something special, and you wanted to know more? Right, yeah, it it was different and um, very. He had a lot of stories going on, and was it took we had to listen a couple of times, and then it just we realized what we were dealing with that this was something that was going to be uh, very worthwhile listening to again and again and again. Very cool. Um, so I always like to say this. Um, the number of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of what <laughs> kind of fan you are, because depending on where you live and economic circumstances, you know, it can change that. But how many times have you seen him live? Um, let's see. I've, I've, I saw him at, I guess it's four times now. Uh, I saw him at the No Nukes concert back in 79. Ooh, that and would, we may have to talk about that. I bet that was fun. Oh, that was amazing. I could still see that leap that he did onto the piano. <laughs> and, you know, Jackson Brown. It was a really fine concert. And then I saw him at the Boston Garden and recently at the, the MetLife Stadium. I guess that was about a year ago. And luckily I went to see Little Steven at the Paramount at the beginning of his uh, recent The Soul Fire Tour. And Bruce joined on stage there. Very and I'm nice. going to see him on going to see him on Broadway so that'll be mine yes I want to hear about that um which uh met met show did you go to uh I don't remember the exact day it was in August that's all I I remember okay well there was the there was three and I went to the middle one it was the first one that I you know on my bucket list to see Bruce in Jersey so uh, I was very happy to see there and you know, it was almost a four-hour show and just amazing. So Yeah, that's the one I went to because I remember after I got the tickets and they put another one on. Set. Yeah, okay, very cool. All right, we were there together going, yay, Bruce. <laughs> uh, very nice. Um, 
so it, it sounds like you have a very eclectic and a wonderful appreciation of music. Um, do is does Bruce continue to be a little bit special or share me with yes. th- your thoughts on that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, he 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 is. Um, he he he's uh, just someone who has always been there, and I think will always be there. It, mm-hmm. If whenever there's any kind of a problem, I can put on his music, and and uh, I appreciate that. And and something like uh, the song Sandy, you know, Fourth of July, Asbury Park Sandy, that has a special resonance for me. It makes me wistful, and it reminds me of the shore I've grown up being around the ocean my whole life and that listening to that music just settles everything down for me and, and makes me feel good. Um, I don't know. Um, you were talking about, you've caught a couple of episodes, but, um, you know, I just have finished up a, um, eight rounds of chemo and, um, which is one of the reasons why when I saw the title of your novel, I went, okay, I've got to talk to this writer if there's any way possible. Um, Because I do feel in a lot of ways um, that this eight chemo treatments, which is about six, seven months, um, I, to quote Bruce, it was, his music was my good companion on this part of the ride. Um, I had an F cancer playlist, which was about 80% Springsteen. I had some other songs you know, songs is on there, but it truly was, um, a song that there's almost any, my mood, I can find a Bruce song that kind of helps me either mirrors that mood or helps me to get out of it. Yes. That, that's, the, that's the beauty of his music. He, he touches on all the aspects of the human condition. And so no matter if you're depressed or you've broken up with someone, you're not you're not happy. There's always something that you can relate to. And for me, it it usually brings me out of that funk and, uh, makes me feel better. So I'm sorry about your, you know, your chemo treatments. I'm glad they're over. Yes, they are. And, uh, everything looks good. So there's blessings in that. Um, and it was just so nice to have that. Um, before I get specifically to this latest novel, um, you talked about you were an attorney. What got? What made you go to the writing bug? Why, why did you decide you wanted to write? Well, I, I wrote from the time I was, was a child. Uh, I, I remember being in Girl Scouts and writing a fractured fairy tale about uh, Little Red Riding Hood actually being evil and <laughs> the, good, the big bad wolf being good. Um, so Ooh, I started from nice. a very... From a very young age, being creative with writing, um, but the the law was I wrote well as a lawyer. I wrote uh, law of legislation, uh, that types of thing, uh, and that was that was a way to you know make a living and be good at it. And no, but in the background there was always a story being written. So, okay. And uh, what was your first novel? Um, the first one that came out was Hardhead. It's a story about a woman who um, her grandfather on her father, actually, on his deathbed, says to her, whatever you do, don't go to Italy. And, of course, she disobeys him and she and her daughter take off and have an adventure in Italy. Wow, that that's kind of cool. Did. 
do you find it easy to write or is it a lot of work? It's both. Um, sometimes, sometimes it's easy, um, but more of the time it, it's difficult. I'll try to set myself a schedule where I'll do a certain number of words in a day because then I feel at least I've gotten something done. Now it may not last. I may toss it out the next day, but um, I find that if I get that discipline going, it helps helps me. But it, it's very it is painful, I and mean, you um, you stare at that page, and sometimes there's not much good coming out, you know? You know, I, I, I tend to really love hearing, not that I enjoy pain, but, um, you know, I've read interviews with Aaron Sorkin and I've gone to book signings like Harlan Coben was just here in Dallas talking about his latest book. And he talked about that, you know, writing is when you're writing. He said, you know, research isn't writing, you know, thinking up ideas isn't writing. He said, you know, all that's important and you all need it. But sitting down at whatever computer, typewriter, pad and pencil, whatever it is, he says, that is the true writing. And you may have to go through a lot of different, you know, versions of the story you want to tell. But the hard work is getting that from your head onto that page. Yeah, it's true. I think it was Red Smith who said it. Writing's easy. You just sit down and open a vein. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can get that. And you know, the other thing that I find fascinating is, uh, you know, Aaron Sorkin will talk about that white, that plain white page mocks you. And <laughs> I know that um, I don't do a lot of writing, but I do do uh, for work. I have to, you know, send out memos or emails, or I have to write a process or something. And I do, I always say it's, you know, just get the first draft out there, just, just get it. And then, you know, I send it to people and go, okay, this is, I am not in love with anything. This feel fine to redline it, but it's having something to edit is so much easier than just staring at that blank page going, okay, now what do we do? That it's true. It, it, it is very true. Sometimes you can spend uh, an hour on the on a sentence. You know, it, it all depends on on how the flow is going. Yeah. So, this latest book, the Summer Springsteen Song Saved Me, is um, I'm I guess a quarter of the way through, um, and I first off I'm in love with so far most of the characters except the husband. And I think that's <laughs> that is by choice, right? That is by design. Um, tell me a little bit. First off, you give your elevator pitch of what the story is about, and then I'd kind of like to talk about, you know, where you thought about this, where you were going, and and just a little bit more about the details of the book. Okay. Um, well, it, it's a it's a story about a, a woman who um, catches her husband. Uh, with his personal trainer and this is the last thing she expects to see. And so she basically scratches an expletive into his Porsche and sets his clothes on fire and she cranks up her beloved Bruce Springsteen and she flees and she winds up landing in Bradley beach. Um, and while she's there, she has, uh, gets, has new friends. Her husband still comes back to haunt her and she has new acquaintances, uh, her, a new sexy neighbor, and a powerful 
music of Bruce to help her along. Um, so she's got a lot of challenges and obstacles, but um, she has to learn how to deal with uh, some difficult things in her past in order for her to embrace her future. Yeah, I, I won't spoil it, but um, the book starts off at a pretty dramatic place, and you know, she's saying, do you realize what day it is? And as a reader, we don't know what day that is, and later yeah. you reveal it, and I won't spoil that. But I, I think that's a nice twist that, um, you know, in her life's journey, there is not only is she working from a marriage that is failing, but these other things that have gone through. And, you know, Barbara, I will tell you, a one of my favorite genres or story is redemption stories. I love seeing that journey of someone finding themselves, bettering themselves, improving themselves. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why Land of Hope and Dreams, if I had to put down as my favorite Bruce Springsteen song, I think it would be it um, because the idea of faith will be rewarded and, you know, all this darkness passed and tomorrow there'll be sunshine. Um, right. Yeah. Well, that, that's a lot of the theme of this story. It's, it's about second chances and it's also about loss, uh, learning to accept things that are painful so you can move forward. Um, so yes, I, and I think that's important. And I think a lot of Bruce's songs you relate to that. You, you can relate to them when you hear that and he helps you with those issues. I, I totally agree, Barbara. <laughs> By the way, um, my other song that um, was Better Days, and in fact, I have, I, I was in uh, the Philippines for a business trip, and they said, um, the call center that the company I work for said, anytime we have, you know, leaders from the U.S. here, we ask them to do a presentation, do you mind? No, and they said, you know, basically we want you to talk about your life and if there's any lessons you can share. And um, I used Better Days as um, one of my themes, and I said, of course, not just because it's Bruce, but, you know, I believe that message is enjoy the journey. Do not, do not keep going, well, once I graduate from high school, then I'll be happy. Once we get the kids out of diapers, then I'll be happy. You know, once we, whatever the goal is, you, you need to be happy during that journey and during that situations because these are the better days. Um, and I think some of them got it. I think some of them didn't. But I was reading your book and your main character makes almost that same point as she's listening to the song. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that's that is one of the the songs. Every chapter uh, has a song as its title, and it's the the uh, song is woven into the fabric of the chapter. And that is one of the the chapters. Is better days. Further on up the road is another. Yeah, I thought uh, there are you know forty three chapters, and there are forty three songs, and each one of them uh, relates to her journey. So I'm glad you uh, you, you did pick better days because I think that's a, a wonderful uh, approach to life. Yeah, I do, and um, it is, um, so it, it meant a lot to me, and I did was going to comment, um, I don't know, there was a, um, 
science fiction writer named Robert Aspen, who has now passed, but he did a whole series of books called Myth Books, and they were kind of tongue-in-cheek fantasy novels that kind of take fantasy tropes and put them on the side, you know, kind of twisted them, and they were very funny novels, but the first one he wrote, he, you know, a lot of fantasy novels will have a quote at the beginning of each chapter, and so Mm. he came up with fake quotes, you know, and and, and he, he later said that was the worst thing he ever did because that sometimes was the hardest part of writing the novel is like okay i know the stories i know what my characters are going to do now i got to come up with a darn quote you know to fit the chapter um how hard is it was you to pick the 43 songs and you know which one for which chapter it, it was it was difficult i mean some of them were were obvious you know she's starting in a bad place so i started with with badlands that's that's uh, that one wasn't wasn't difficult or she's going forward she's dancing in the dark um but a lot of the rest of the the book i took me a long time a lot of research i had to dig deeply into the into bruce's catalog i was familiar with a lot of the catalog but not with everything he's so prolific um, yes. So it, it required a lot of research, but I enjoyed it because the more I dug, the more I was learning, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I do think um, <clears throat> Bruce's music is a minor character in the story so far. Um, I I want to, I mean, if you're not a Bruce fan, you can still enjoy this book because it is all about this our protagonist's journey. But as a Springsteen fan, it's just kind of a little, as we call it in Louisiana, lanyap, a little extra. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and so I think you should be really proud of, at least from my perspective, you found a good balance, Barbara. That's good. That's what I tried to do. And um, you know, there you'll, throughout the book, you'll see um, Bruce's music and uh, turning up and and uh, her relying on it, and sometimes more than others. So. As you go along, you'll see uh, more of that. I think. Good, good. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited about seeing the ending. Um, obviously, you're pleased with it. Um, when is it going to be out? It comes out October 24th, so that's soon, and yes. um, it'll it'll be on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And you'll be able to to get it. Right now, it's on a, a pre-order, and I'm not sure how how long they'll keep the pre-order for price for it. It's discounted. Um, but it, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity if, if people, uh, can take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've went ahead and pre-ordered the Kindle version from Amazon. Um, you know, and then you also have the version that is in trade paperback. If you are not an electronic book person. Um, yes. so yeah, that is very cool. I, um, and are you um, are you doing any local appearances or anything there uh, at home? Uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't arranged um, readings, but I I will I've been doing some interviews for local papers, and that that will occur soon. The the, the local New Jersey paper, Coaster, and uh, a couple of other ones have called, and then of course this wonderful show. So. Yeah. Just the beginning of this journey. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you mentioned um, you were able to get tickets to see Bruce in uh, on Broadway. Congratulations. Oh, I can't wait. 
Uh, yeah, I, I know. Um, now, have you been reading the reviews or are you trying to go in blind? Yeah, I've read, I've read the reviews, but I try not to read too much. I, I, I don't want to know everything about it because right. I'd like to experience it. Um, I, I re- read the book. I know he's going to deal a lot with uh, the stories of the book and the songs of the book. And um, I want, would like to just get that Broadway experience that he's giving us. Yeah, I'm so proud. You know, Barbara, I'm kind of biased. I do a Springsteen podcast, so of course I'm kind of obsessed with the man. But I feel like as an artist, he should be able to do what he wants to do, to stretch himself artistically. And, um, you know, what little bit I've read, um, this is not a acoustical tour. And this isn't even a, an elaborate book reading. This is truly a show in itself. And so I am, I am looking forward to hopefully, you know, some kind of digital release or a pay-per-view or an HBO special because um, this sounds amazing. Yes, and I just heard today he's going to extend the run till probably June, so that will give more people the opportunity to, to see it. Um, and yes, you're right. I think it would be a terrific thing for them to, to release uh, somehow for, for all the fans because people can't come to Broadway from you know anywhere but that anybody, maybe you're visiting, you're a tourist, or you're living in the area. So there are millions of fans who would like to be able to experience this. And he is always pushing himself and growing and going in different directions. So this would be wonderful to be able to give to all the fans i totally agree barbara um you know the one of the beautiful things uh, about this he does seem to keep pushing himself and you know i i agree with you i love the book I, i felt like he um he did cut open the vein and share um there were i thought it was a very real um story i thought he he shared a lot of himself in there, and uh, I'm currently um, listening to it on, you know, the book on CD, uh, and mm. hearing him read it is pretty amazing to hear him talk about some of the stories and share, um, so I, I just can imagine Broadway's going to be even that more intense. Yes, yeah, it, it, people are really coming away saying it was phenomenal, so. Yeah, we can only, uh, well, well I'm, good for you. So, um, let's, let's assume it's going to go on till June, but sooner or later, he and the E Street Band are going to hit the road again. So so. are there songs on your wish list that you go, man, I'd love to hear him sing this? Well, I guess the thing, one that I really would like to hear him sing is the the ghost of Tom Joad. Uh, That's something, um, that's always had great meaning for for me. I, I love John Steinbeck and The Grapes of Wrath. Um, I went to a very strict Catholic school, and that book was taken away from me. So <laughs> I really uh, related to to it. I think it's a beautiful book, and I, I think that uh, his he was able to uh, make it into such a wonderful saga. Did um, were you able? Obviously, have you heard? Let me ask it this way. Do you like the version um, when Tom Morella uh, helps sing it? Uh, yes. Yeah, I do. I, I, I like it. Honestly, it doesn't matter to me. I just 
I like that song. So. Okay, very nice. That's that's a that's a cool one to hear. Um, any others right offhand? And it's okay if you don't. Um, no, I, I, that's really the the only one that comes to mind. Okay. Um, is there um, is there any other significant musical moments you want to share with us? Um, in terms of uh, just. just just it sounds like I mean you had Pete Seeger try to teach you how to play the harmonica. You know I'm just checking no. to see if if you know Bob Dylan you're like hey let's go uh, you know uh, trick or treating together or something. Yeah. No. Well, well, I suppose you know that that Newport Jazz Festival really uh, back in 1968 I think it was where Janis Joplin was there and Dylan was there and um, and that's where the Pete Seeger incident occurred. Uh, that that really made me into if anything even more of a fan um, and buddy guy I was sitting on the stage while he was playing. So it, it was, it's just music just flows into you and you realize how good it makes you feel. So ever since my youth, it's, it's been important to me. Yeah. It's, I can tell that it seems like it. Um, are you already working on another novel? I am. I am um, always working on one. And, and this one I can, I can share it with you. It's got the story of, um, Tiny Tim Cratchit from uh, uh, the uh, the Christmas story. He has ghosts of his own Ooh. that he is dealing with. He, he grows up and has to deal with that. Oh, I like that premise. That's very so, cool. I'm just struggling. First draft is just about done. <laughs> it, it, you know, that's always the way it is, right? Um, right. Very cool. You know, one of the things, like you talked about when you were in the Girl Scouts, the kind of different angle uh, that's I love when someone takes that and tries things you know and and just puts it a little off kilter to try to do something unique I think that's amazing yeah you can look at it's nice to think about what well what if you know what if what yeah. if this happened or what happened to that person mm -hmm. uh besides Steinbeck were there other writers that inspired you um Raymond Carver, I loved his short stories. I just I think his sparse writing is uh, some someone who I've always felt was a, was good to emulate the Hemingway esque type of approach, very thin, uh, not wordy. Right. And and I read a lot of um, Ann Tyler and a lot of popular novelists actually. Okay. Okay. Very nice. All right. So, any final thoughts before I let you go? No, other than I think you're doing a wonderful service, and I'm really thrilled to be here, and I look forward to hearing more of your shows. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I don't know if you've gone yet. I think I mentioned this to you in our exchange back and forth, but if not, Jay Armstrong is a high school um, English teacher. He teaches um, seniors and juniors for, um, you know, advanced English and um and he was on the show a while back and he does a whole episode he does a series in his school of comparing Thunder Road to The Road Less Traveled and they hmm. break down Thunder Road as a as a poem and so he was on the episode he did an episode where we talked about that um and it it was really interesting to hear him look at it not as a song, but as a poem. And, and he discussed it's all about choices. 
and, you mm. know, and, and, you know, making those choices. So check that one out. I think as a writer, you'll appreciate that. He, um, he, it's a different, unique perspective. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. I definitely yeah. will check that out. Yeah. So, so you're going to tell me what set lusting stands yes, for? Yes, I will. I'm so glad you remembered to ask. So, um, <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, I had been doing a lot of podcasts, Barbara. I do um, I do a Doctor Who podcast. I had was at the time doing a Castle podcast, the ABC show. Um, mm-hmm. I had just done a lot of pop culture. Um, podcast and I was there was an 80s podcast on our network and the guy running the normally hosting the show said you know I'm kind of tired I want to take a break but I don't want to not have shows on my feed would anyone be interested in filling in and I said well yeah I'll do and so I got a couple friends and we did um Bruce Spring, uh, we did Stephen King books in the 80s, and then we had a separate episode where we talked about Stephen King movies of the 80s, and then I got a couple other Bruce Springsteen fans, and we talked about Bruce Springsteen releases in the 80s, those four, you know, releases, and I had such a blast. I went to the guy who runs our network, and I said, hey, Rob, I want to do a Bruce Springsteen podcast. He's like, okay, what's it going to be? And I said, well, I... Lynette Carolla um, was doing a show for a while where she interviewed other celebrities that were fans of Bruce. And I thought that was interesting to hear them talk about their Springsteen story. So Mm -hmm. my idea is to find other Springsteen fans using, you know, social media and then interview them. He said, okay, what Mm -hmm. do you want to call it? And I said, well, you have to understand, Bruce does a different set list almost every night. Um, most of his songs, he doesn't have a set, you know, narrative. That the songs change. And in any given time, anywhere from, you know, 40, 30, 40% of what he sings every night is different. He's like, okay. I said, the second thing you know is that a lot of, Bruce Springsteen fans at the show will post on social media the songs that are being played. And um, so they will live and they, you know, posting the set list. He said, okay, got that. (laughs) I said, so, and then if you're watching at home, you'll go, oh man, I can't believe he's doing that song. I've always wanted to hear that song. So instead of set listing, you become set lusting. (laughs) okay and um rob goes okay that makes sense to me so that's where the name came from is because you know and and for example right like if you were following along and you went oh my goodness he did ghost of tom joad why did i not have Mm -hmm. that ticket tonight so that's where the that's where the title came from Perfect. Good. Now I understand. I like it. (laughs) Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, Well, Barbara, once again, the book is The Summer Springsteen Song Saved Me. It is by Barbara Quinn. I will have, you can find it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, It is coming out on October 24th. Um, And if I, if I plan this right, 
the podcast should be out on October 23rd. So you guys will be able to get it the next day. Uh, I will have a link to Amazon on it. Um, Barbara, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Um, well, they can they can reach me um, at my uh, email, which is baquinn7 at gmail.com. And I'm also on Twitter as Barbara Quinn. So th- those are probably the easiest. Okay, that sounds good. And I can be reached at Jesse Jackson DFW. Um, Set Lusting Bruce does have a Facebook page. We would love for you to go and like it. Um, if you get a chance, go to iTunes to rate and review the show. Um, it really does make a difference. Uh, same thing for you, right, Barbara? People going to Amazon, putting reviews right. and quoting, it helps, doesn't it? It does. And, and I also have an author page on Facebook. It's uh, Barbara Quinn Author, so they can find that. And uh, and I try to respond this whenever I can. So. Well, very nice. Very good. Well, um, and if you want to be on the show and talk about your Springsteen journey, reach out to me, uh, setlistingbruce at gmail.com or reach out to me at Twitter. Uh, we would love to have you. So, Barbara, thank you so much for being with me. We're going to end with, now Tom said, Mom, wherever there's a cop beating a guy, wherever a hungry newborn baby cries, where there's a fight against the blood and hatred in the air, look for me, Mom, I'll be there. Whenever somebody's fighting for a place to stand or a decent job or a helping hand, whenever somebody's struggling to be free, Look in their eyes, Ma, and you will see me. That's beautiful. That's perfect. Thank Thank you you. so much for having me, Jesse. No problem. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Barbara. We'll talk to you soon. said Mom, wherever there's a cop beating a guy Wherever a hungry and born baby cries Where there's a fight against the blood and hatred in the air Look for me, Mom, I'll be there Wherever somebody's fighting for a place to stand For a decent job or a helping hand Wherever somebody's struggling to be free Look in their eyes, my, you'll see What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? 
Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.